I want to first welcome our listeners to the show. And I have the pleasure and the privilege to speak with Wei Feng, a tea master and owner of the Imperial Tea Garden in San Francisco. Um, and I wanted to share a cup of tea with Roy and, and hear some amazing tea stories. Uh, Roy and I, I like to thank, share two common characteristics. Um, one of which is that we both celebrate Chinese New Year, which is coming up, the, the Year of the Dragon. Um, and uh, so, you know, there's 1.5 billion of us in China. Chinese living around the world. So we're not so unique, but this is a fantastic holiday. And you and I can talk more about that because tea also started as a southerner's drink in China. And we are both Cantonese, Guangdongyang, right? Correct. <laughs> so I had the pleasure when I first meet you <clears throat> to speak, <clears throat> pardon me. <laughs> See, that's what you get for not having a sip first. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Always take your time. So I had, it was such an amazing experience speaking with you in Cantonese that it puts me back to the uh, roots. So thank you, Roy, for coming onto the show. Uh, so first, I'd like to have you do me the honor of introducing yourself to the audience. Oh, thank you so much. So first of all, it's uh, Imperial Tea Court in oh, San yes. Francisco. <laughs> Thank you. So that is the cue for you to repeat your name, Imperial <laughs> Tea Court in San Francisco. I'm glad, I'm glad I'm not the only one who has senior moments. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I am drinking poor tea, so you talk <laughs> you about go. that. <laughs> so uh, I'm Roy Fong from Imperial Tea Court. Um, I have the privilege to be in the tea business for a little while now, I have been importing tea from China since the mid-1980s. I know some of you listening are probably not that old, not as old as the tea that I imported. And I opened the first Imperial Tea Court in San Francisco in 1993. And uh, so we are approaching 30 years in, in the retail business. Uh, what got us going into the retail high-end tea business was that uh, when I first started importing tea, I was uh, the West Coast distributor for the Yunnan Tea Import-Export Corporation. So I uh, started close to my route being Hong Kong, uh, someone who was born in Hong Kong, where poor tea, uh, as Cantonese called Bolei, uh, reigns supreme. Doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, or destitute, poverty is like a lifeblood. You know, it's almost like air you breathe. Uh, no matter who you are with, poverty is served. So, uh, so back when I was a kid, even poor people have access to good, somewhat aged poor. We all know poverty was expensive even when I was a kid, but. You can drink that, even back then. Now, I haven't been a kid for a long time, you know. So, <laughs> so um, when I immigrated to the U.S. at the age of 13, um, I didn't speak, speak any English. I, you know, 
I was four foot eleven and ninety pounds. I didn't grow too much more than four eleven, but you know, I did grow a lot sideways now. <laughs> I'm significantly over ninety pounds. Uh and you know, having to learn English and trying to dive into the American culture. Uh everything was I tried to sort of be as American as possible, sort of without anybody telling me that. And then everything at home is far away from my thought. But when I when I become 21, something flipped a switch in my head and I decided to go back to Hong Kong for the first time. Of course, I had to be 21 at that time before I could afford to go back to Hong Kong. So long story short, I spent almost a month in Hong Kong spent all my lifetime saving, that short lifetime. And I discovered tea on that visit in Hong Kong. I was walking in a district where old tea shops and antique and, you know, old, you know, seafood, you know, places like that. That's very, if you're from there, you know what I mean. Hong Kong people cherish this, uh, that kind of thing. So I was wandering the streets, and all of a sudden, my nose caught this undescribable fragrance. I literally followed my nose into a tea shop where I found the owner of the tea shop doing the final roasting of his Taekwanyin Oolong. I made friends with him. I spent the rest of my vacation going there every day, practically. Uh, becoming part of the, you know, shop there. Uh, when Upon returning to the U.S., I threw all my clothes away and filled in a full two uh, suitcases of tea bag, uh, of teas, not tea bag, sorry. And I, when I returned home, I was very anxious to show off all the tea I acquired and, uh, and not knowing that this is, eventually to become, you know, my life. So I become a pretty serious tea drinker, but nothing more. And then uh, in 1991, a person from China came to U.S. to visit. We were doing import-exporting business at that time. And she said, I really like to work with you. What can we do together? And I said, you know, I always wanted to do a real tea shop and uh, with her help we were able to bring one 40-foot container of material and six workmen from chi from china to build uh, our first original imperial tea court on the out right on the edge of chinatown uh, i don't know what hit me i was brave enough to sign a 15-year lease <laughs> and uh, after we we finished building the tea shop, I've never had any retail experience. I've never done anything similar to that. And uh, not realizing, working with a group of workmen from China who has a total different idea of what work is and what collaboration is and what money really means. Uh, it took two years to build a tea shop. We have to send them home and uh, hire another crew here to finish the job. And it was 
my father, who was a contractor, came out of retirement to help me to finish a shop. I was destitute after the shop closed. I had to pay my partner off. And uh, the six workmen who came turned out to be leaders in their company. They hadn't done any damn work for years. And uh, so they came. The first thing they say was, how many help are you going to hire me for me? And I said, but it's a thousand square foot. There's six, six of you. And they said, well, yeah, but we, we supervise. We don't work. You know. <laughs> anyway, so from there, I had to make things work pretty quickly. And uh, we opened officially on July 4th, 1993. The reason for July 4th was not only for patriotism, but I know all my friends have that day off. They better come and support me. <laughs> so Good customers day, coming in. Uh -huh. Right. The day, like a week before opening, I flew to Hong Kong with $200 in my pocket, one visa card, and no more money. <laughs> so I went to a uh, wholesaler I know, spoke to them and said, look, I don't have any money now. Uh, I'd like to buy some tea from you, but I would like you to give me some time to pay. And then they said, okay. I was a little shocked. but uh, And then they were shocked after they agreed and I'd give the list of tea I like to have, that how much I demanded, you know, for some young kid coming here telling my old 60-year-old roaster, uh, tea roasting master, how he's not, you know, firing the Taekwondo correctly. So I didn't make any friends, but they, I think they, they probably just want to get rid of me. So they gave me two cases of tea. And uh, it's at that time, it's only total, it's, I said only, but at that time, it was a pretty big amount for me. Uh, the two cases is about six to $700. So I, I flew in, flew home, you know, uh, with my ticket arriving on uh, July 2nd, uh, Ju July 2nd, and then went, well, July 3rd, actually, the day before. So I arrived with United Airlines uh, early in the morning on July 3rd and um, waited at the luggage belt until everybody else is gone. I don't see my two cases. So I went to United Airlines, still, you know, full of hope. And uh, after, you know, about 10 minutes, they looked at me and said, Mr. Fong, I'm sorry to inform you, your, two, your luggage is in Tokyo. <laughs> but I said, but I'm opening tomorrow. <laughs> so anyway, my wife was waiting to pick me up outside. And two hours later, I walked out of the terminal almost in tears. Uh, the, so I didn't sleep all night, and I'm at, at 6.30 a.m. in the morning where I'm still thinking, how am I going to tell the 50 people I badger into coming for my opening? United Airlines called me and said, Mr. Fong, we got your packages. Where should we deliver it? I, I was floored. So they delivered the packages by 8. I was able to open... With, uh, with tea that I just got in from, from uh, Hong Kong. And uh, all my friends chipped in. I did like $300 of business that day. So I said to my wife, okay, the two, you and me work for free. And uh, the rent's a thousand and change. We could do this. 
you know. So we all been officially from that day. Next day, my wife and I came in and opened the door, waiting for customer, and uh, waited half a day. Nobody came in. Uh, and then an old lady uh, kind of come in slowly, reluctantly, and look at, I swear, every single item we have this in this place on the store. And then she wagged her fingers at me and said, do you know how how much they're selling these dongs in Chinatown? You're crazy. You're my <laughs> son. I'd kill you. <laughs> so, so anyway, I thought, all right, one lady, one old lady, what the hell? It was not until almost three months later, we finally had our first $100 day. And uh, I was so ecstatic. I took my wife out to dinner and spent that $100 <laughs> in, in like two blinks of the eyes. And then after that, something miraculously happened. The San Francisco Chronicle showed up and said, you are doing something really unique. We like to do a, a, a little you know, interview with you and maybe write about you. And she said, maybe, <laughs> no. But I, I was, you know, very happy, obviously. And so she interviewed me. We had tea. She spent like over two hours drinking tea with me. And then she left. And I thought that was it. A week later, uh, a full page story about us happened in the San Francisco Chronicle food page. And then ever since then, we started to climb the ladder a little bit. And then eventually I was, I have articles in the New York Times and the Gourmet Magazine, Bon Appetit, you know, uh, the first 10 years or so of our business, it was pretty amazing. People come from all over the world to that little shop to talk tea, to just gleam a little bit of the real Chinese tea culture. Well, at least I like to consider it real. <laughs> And um, a group of old men came in shortly after the article and they said, we've been looking for a place like this to bring our songbirds. So I said, come on in, <laughs> you know? So they, every Saturday, a group of old men, Chinese old men, bring their cage birds and they hang it up on, on the lattice work we have in the store. And uh, they take up one table, they laugh, they drink tea, they argue, uh, they lie to each other, just like all old men do. <laughs> so it was wonderful. And, then, and this really unique tea culture have started. And I like to claim that we're probably the only authentic tea shop, Chinese tea shop in the U.S. at the time. Now, obviously, other people have sold tea before me. Uh, the Chinese obviously did a lot of tea business before me, but uh, the Chinese tea culture, like you know, tea shops, with the, the tea, the proprietors supposed to have something to do with every tea that they procure. You know, like, so we, we start making our signature monkey pig tea, you know, from that first day I, I spent in Hong Kong. And uh, we roast our own monkey pig tea when it get on Wulongs here until today. Um, we did a lot of little, a lot of things that little people have no business doing. You know, like we, 
I would go to China to produce, to, to supervise production of, of our Lotus Heart Dragon Well. Uh, we, we, we never stopped that until recently. So I think I, I could take up the rest of the hour if I wanted to, but that's the long story short, that's how we started. Well, thank you, Roy. This is why I love tea masters and talking with my fellow tea people, because I only ask you one question. And look at it. <laughs> so thank you for that fascinating tea branch. It, your story is like the tea branches. And it wraps around, and, and I think that's why I love tea so much, because everyone have their mystical beginning. And it's like, like you were guided by tea herself, right. you know, the destiny. And you, I have so many questions for you just because, of, just because of that story. One, if I didn't, if I hear correctly, it was poor tea that got you first started. Right. But it was Tie Guan Yin which is a famous oolong tea that right. got you hooked. Am I correct? Yeah, in both counts. You know, I think poor tea is in my blood. Being mm, born that's right. grow up in Hong Kong. Yes. I, a lot of people always ask me, what your favorite tea is? And I would say poor, and they said, why? And, you know, I, I had this kind of soul search. I love Taekwanyin, especially the old traditional Taekwanyin where you, the tea is actually oxidized to at least 30% and a good roast of the tea where it, just the roasting of the tea make or break the tea, but also show technique beyond people's comprehension. So I have to think why. And the simple reason is whenever I have to make a decision on what tea do I want to drink, or oh, sometimes I don't even realize I'm making a decision. It's always poor because I think that's, I grew up with that stuff. I drank that more than water when I was young. You know, that's what we always drink when, when people show up in the house. I, you know, being from Hong Kong, uh, I just don't know any better. <laughs> so, I drink, so, yeah, I think that I love poor now. It, it was funny because when I was a kid, I grew up watching my father drinking his Gong Fu Cha. And yeah. one time he was drinking really, really dark tea. And, and I tasted it and I'm like, whoa, this is like medicine. And I said, what is it? He says, oh, it's poor. Mm -hmm. And and it was like, ooh, um, it, you know, but I was a girl, young girl then. I was like, oh, oh I, this is old man tea. And so I always related poor as a, a old, old man tea. But until recently, um, because of the amazing health benefits and and tasting poor at your events, uh, that was brilliant. But I love love to hear more about your poor. Um, yes, I think in Hong Kong, every Chinese restaurant that you go to, Sunday dim sum, right? And it's like okay, bo leita, right? Right. I, I mean, there's poor and there's poor, you know. So. <laughs> So I like uh, how you say that poor is also for you know a cuts across all demographics. You know, right. the poor people use poor and there's the poor. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, uh, some some of us were lucky enough to choose tea. Those of us who are extraordinarily lucky, tea chose you. Mm -hmm. So 
I, I think I'm one of the extraordinary lucky person where he chose me. So uh, I would encourage you guys to read my book. It's not unfortunately available anywhere else except in my website because I basically wrote that book to just get it off my chest. One of the most asked questions I get is, why aren't you writing a book? So this is my my revised version. This is always second book. In it, okay. it tells you the story about how I become this crazy tea person that I am today. Um, almost. What, what is the title of your book? The Great Teas of China. Oh, okay. It's available yeah, so, on your website. What is your website? Oh, we'll provide that. Imperialtea.com. Okay. Oh, you yeah. skipped the course. Okay. Imperialtea.com. Uh, yeah, just okay. Imperial Tea. Okay. It's, it's about the tea, not about me. <laughs> I will definitely get a copy. I did not know that. Thank you for sharing that, by the way, Roy. Thank you. So, <laughs> so in terms of poor, um, I think we were talk, discussing, you know, the difference in poor. So you could go to dim sum restaurant where they serve you so-called poor that, you know, you just hope that it's not too bad. And sometimes they don't even, you know, they don't even clean the pot they used previously. So you could have other tea like jasmine and whatever it tastes. And there's poor tea that's worth thousands of dollars a pound. You know, I've sold age poor back to China for significant amount of money. So uh, in the book also, it, it's, you know, we only have an hour. So <laughs> we, we, uh, so the, uh, the short story about poor tea is that there's a there's two first main two style, the sun style and the show style. Uh, the sun style is poor tea that's from green tea and oxidized with air slowly aged, and hopefully it'll eventually, eventually turn reddish. And uh, when it turns red, then it's, it become very expensive. And there's the other version where poor that's like a green tea, made with green tea, like a green tea, uh, but water's added to the tea to, uh, to encourage uh, fermentation. So in tea terms, we always say fermentation, but what we people really mean is oxidization, not fermentation. But poor tea is fermentation, where you add water you to encourage bacteria grow, and it changes into like a mold, and then the mold changes the, attacks the tea leaf, and change the dynamics inside, and then after it dry off, some of the bacteria is still dormant in the tea. And then poor tea, the, this type of poor tea is called shou, uh, in Cantonese is stop. It is a lot. Ripe, yeah, ripe poor. Ripe, yeah. yeah mm -hmm. And some people quote unquote say cook. Cooked, yeah. Yeah, I don't like that word. It had nothing to do with it. Me too. So soap is more correct. So yes. This, so people, collectors like us, we look at this type of poor, well, all poor in general, as a living being. So you interact with a living being, you have to learn the likes and dislikes of the other person if you want to be friends. So uh, in, our, in my book, again, I, you know, it explained a little bit about how to encourage bacteria grow 
at the appropriate time and discourage it at the appropriate time. So a plant is very old already. You don't want bacteria grow again because the bacteria has to feed on something. So over fermented pour turns really dark. You, when you brew the tea, it almost looks like charcoal and it become very light in color. The cup become very light in color and there's no flavor. And then you, the next sipping, there'll be nothing. Well-aged pour is very dark red. And at least you try to get it to be very dark red. And the leaf is still pliable and that is not, does not turn black. So black soul pour and sung pour is two different animals, although they're the same. Uh, I have sung pour that one of the advantages we have here in the U.S., or at least in my part of the U.S., is that we don't have high humidity here, mm -hmm. but we do have fluctuation of temperature. So I would I deliberately do not uh, put uh, insulation on the roof of my warehouse. So the so younger pause for a second, <clears throat> Roy. So you have your own warehouse, and you are fermented or fermenting or oxidizing, I'm, producing I'm your poor. Right, I'm aging wow. my poor. Okay. Uh, you're looking at someone that had over 40 tons of poor all the time. I buy every year. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Do you actually yeah. travel to Yunnan? Oh yeah. yeah I, oh. I have great friends there. You know, if, when we have time, I tell you the story of my first visit to Yunnan. <laughs> Please do. Because yeah. Roy, um, coming up is a, I don't know if you heard of this book called uh, The Tea Girl from Hummingbird Lane. By Lisa so, yeah. C. In fact, I'm doing a tea book club, and we uh, are going to share our right. thoughts on this book. And I love the story, and it's featuring um, poor prominently. And uh, I recently, I mean, I um, I've started to learn about Yunnan poor tea after I met you, and I was just fascinated uh, by it. I didn't even right. know that a type of poor tea is actually <laughs> caffeine free. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're just so fascinating, a tea type by itself, you know, because you and I, we Chinese know that there are six tra traditional Chinese tea type and poor tea is a, by itself, it's yeah. a tea type, but it's a rule onto itself. And right. so, yes, I love, I love for you to share more about your poor tea aging yeah. and production. For those of you who have never been to Yunnan, that is a magical place. You know, where even today, the oldest living tea tree is over 1,800 years old. You could still walk up to it and look at it and touch it. It's, you know, is a protected, you know, uh, sort of local treasure. But, uh, you know, it, there's no place else on earth where you find live tea tree that's in such abundance and several year, hundred year old tea trees abounds, you know, and people pick tea still from them, still the way, old way, they climb up to the tree and they pick tea. You know, although the popularity of, and, and value of poor tea, I believe harms the, the, the quality and the sort of tradition uh, of, of how, how it always been 
produce, you know, uh, Yunnan back in the, the Yunnan means the 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 southern clouds. It's so insinuate that it's a very high area where you reach the, for the cloud. So uh, it is such a unique place where it's a high altitude area, but it's almost like a valley. So people find prehistoric uh, plants there that they still can name. They still find things there. The uh, uh, this is a probably the only place. Well, this is the only place in China where you still find wild elephants. You know, so it it's a tremendous place, and the the way that this tea is produced is not really a lot of technique technique uh, techniques required. Like making a great dragon well, needs great techniques from from picking to pan firing to refiring, to storage, to brewing. Every one of those steps are important. The, if the master, tea master make a great tea, you and I could totally screw that up by, you know, putting half a cup of tea leaf and put some boiling water in it. It'll be so bitter, it'll throw you out the window. So, but with poor tea, it's almost all natural. So you don't even worry about just the tips and this and that. It's wild, so the local minority groups pick them and basically sun dry them in the ancient time. Uh, this is a major difference between other tea production and, and Yunnan poor tea production. The final drying is not by forced heat, it's by sun dry. So sun dry is not as intense as, uh, or as close as direct fire. So the bacteria that's within the leaf can continue to live. And it retains a little bit higher uh, moisture content because it's a big leaf, it has a lot of moisture and sun drying doesn't completely bake it out. So the bacteria is able to, to survive and the added moisture sometimes let it help it remold. So that's why the where I come in, where do you let it remote or not remote at all? So that's where the so-called store your tea in the cave idea come in, because in the cave, it's a lot of humidity and moisture and the tea will mold again and get that unique earthiness. But there is a point of too much molding. And also people, you know, misconception is molding and that moldy taste means it's old. I could produce mold for you in a week. You know, and that's how some of them uh, make kind of, um, I don't want to say fake, but, you know, they, they doctor the tea to make it taste older. A good, well-fermented pour should taste earthy, almost like clean soil, but not moldy and powdery like mildew. So you need to kind of understand that. And there are some teas that will benefit from another mode, another fermentation, because the first fermentation it went through might not be enough. So that accelerate that aging and add more bacteria. But if you're not careful, that bacteria will go rampant and the tea be no good. So it's a balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So even though it's not a lot of technique, technical. So if you've been to Yunnan and you've been to, say, Hangzhou, where the dragon well is produced, mm -hmm. and you look at the cuisine, you look at the people, you look, 
you, they're vastly different. Not that one is more beautiful than the other. The style is so different. And that's why the tea is so different. You know, so I, I used to take people to China uh, on a tea and culinary culture tour. So the first thing I asked them to do is, when you get off the plane, start looking around you and record everything in your head. You know, how the people look, how they sound, how the foliage look like, how the leaves look like. And they'll eventually they'll discover from Hangzhou, the leaves are lighter green, smaller leaves on the tree, and people are more delicate. Their, delicate, their, yeah. their food is more sweeter, less intense. As you go to south, to Fujian, to Yunnan, everything is dark green. The leaves are bigger, and uh, the, the food become more simpler, but more intense in flavor. When you go to Yunnan, it's spicy and strong and mm. just like the land. Yes, it matches the, the land produces. And it's like, that's why we talk about the terroir, just like in right. France, yeah. right? And wine, um, and you drink local wine and it matches with the local cuisine. Um, so I love that when I was tasting poor tea with you in your specialty tasting, it really opened my eyes about the different types of poor that, like you said, there's poor and there's poor and there's poor, right? Mm -hmm. um, and how, you know, given how big really poor has been growing, it's, it's, a, it's a cult, like there's a cult-like following. I mean, expensive poor tea can go as high as what, Roy? So just for an example, I sold some 1989 Menghai tea cakes to China to a good friend of mine uh, for $2,000 per piece. Per one cake? Piece per cake, yeah. So mm -hmm. one cake is 357 grand, slightly less than a pound. Uh, so I thought I did pretty well. I only paid $4 a kilo when I bought it years ago. Uh, but he turns around and sells for almost 10, like almost 100,000 yuan. So divided by seven, you know, significantly more than 2,000. So this is a little bit like antique. There's no set price. If you want, if for those who like it and appreciate it and can afford it, the, the price almost doesn't matter. Because Every time you, you break down one of them, there's one of one less in the world. You know, very seldom people have tea that are that old, really. You know, so one of my first cardinal rule in purchasing for, uh, or even antique, I'm not a big antique guy, but I love them. It's a first rule number one, stop telling me stories. I don't want to hear the story. I just want to taste the tea for what it is. And from my own understanding of how the tea and I communicate, how do I like them, how it seems like they like me back. Uh, and and I, if the price is acceptable to me, I don't really care what other people buy for. I'm, I buy and I walk away. I, I don't ever go back and double check. You know, and 
and I'm happy with it that way. And then from that point on, it's me and that team. So that's my only one cardinal rule is don't listen to stories. You know, listen to your heart and uh, let the chips fall where they may. Don't do things that you can't afford. Like obviously, like your mom always tell you, don't don't be crazy and buy things you shouldn't. You know, like if 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 it's something you have no idea about, even though you like it, it's a big number. You probably shouldn't do it, unless you're one of those who could afford to do. Like I don't know, you're a big basketball player or something. If you make a hundred million, somebody wants. 100,000 from you, you probably think it's some change. But those of us who have to fight to to make $100, you know, we're pretty careful with our money. We we don't let our vanity or a story confuse us because we're confused enough as it is. Mm -hmm. So now one of the things that you shared with me, with us uh, during the board tea tasting <clears throat> was your way of being one with the tea. Right. Would you like to say that? I really, it really resonated with me, Roy. Well, uh, it's a communication because it's, if you look at that tea as a living being, mm -hmm. how, you know, what do you do when you meet someone else? You talk, say you hello. shouldn't communicate. Yeah. Right? So uh -huh. remember, when I pour water in and rinse the leaf out, I explained that as you and that you know the fragrance of the tea. I show everyone. I, I tell them that's your first hello between you and the tea. That fragrance tells you everything about itself, where it come from, how old it is, how it was produced, where which region it come from, and probably how you're gonna be rewarded if you treat it this way or that way. It's given you all the answer. It's but it's speaking in a different language than you usually do. So you have to kind of decipher that and then understand what signal you're receiving and then act accordingly. This so this this connection is like making art. It's like painting. You know, nobody should tell you when you go paint every time you should use a four by four canvas and with three colors and only 45 strokes. You can't make art that way. You have to release yourself, you know, listen to you and listen to everything around you in this case, including the tea and the people around you. And then you try to communicate and you try to see what you do if you get a positive response, right? A non-positive response will be astringency, or, or, or water tastes like water, or like muggy, Mold. <laughs> moldy tasting, you know? So all these things is, you know, it sounds complicated, but it, it really isn't because those of you who are wine drinkers out there, we look for the same thing. If you're a wine drinker, you look for the nose, you look for the color, you you look for the legs. You look for the the depth of the uh, of coat the, tail. The, yeah. the, the 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 clarity. Mm -hmm. Everything's the same except you don't get to affect the final outcome as much with wine. So what's already done is in the bottle. When you serve it, you're mm -hmm. only left with what temperature 
he should be serving this at? What kind of glass makes a huge difference? Do you pair with the correct type of food or not? But you're not making the, tea, the, the wine stronger or lighter. Would tea, your participation, determine the final outcome of your encounter by adjusting temperature, using different tasting water, uh, using the more tea, less amount of tea, how you place your tea in your pot or, or in your cup, how you pour your water, how long you let it steep, how you let it steep, how you pour it out, and then finally, how do you drink it with what kind of cup? You know, you have so much influence to make it so, so much different. And it, so it's a dance. It's like, it's, yeah, it's a dance and you are speaking. That's one thing I love about talking with you is that the language of tea that you're speaking and together you're creating this dance and this, it's, it's, it, and I love the fact that the poor tea is actually live, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So you brought on so many wonderful little questions I have and due to time, we're going to have to set, you know, half right. another session out, Roy, because right. I, I want to ask you something. If someone listening to the podcast and they really, really want to start drinking poor, how do they start? What do they look for? What's the best way to go about it? Well, I mean, there's no better way than just trying number one, you know, and, uh, Again, there's so much chatter today with internet and everybody pounding their chest to, you know, uh, about how good they are, which is very anti-Chinese. We always believe <laughs> that when, when you're good, people will find out. You know, when you have to say you're good, then you probably still need a little work. Tea is one art that you're not going to finish in one lifetime. You know, just I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. So it's it's an ongoing process. And your truth is a little different than my truth because, like, for example, you come from Hunan or something, you eat very spicy food. The way you want to enjoy your tea would be very different than someone who come from, like, Shanghai, you know, because the, 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 the culinary culture is very different. So... Don't let people force you to do things this way or that way. I kind of, I'm the anti-rules guy. I, you know, all my life, I don't really like to follow what people tell me unless I understand it the same way that it that, that was told to me. So I would say, listen to yourself. And uh, again, like, like I said, don't listen to the stories just because of the story. You know, if you don't agree, don't be afraid to say so. And then try it, you know, try to get your tea from a reputable vendor. Um, you know, at some point, you're going to have to develop trust with the person who provide you with the tea. And no, going directly to China to buy tea is not always give you the best deal. You know, my advice to people is, when you go to Hangzhou, don't buy Dryden well. You go to Yunnan, don't run into the shop and buy a bunch of Yunnan Pua because the chances of you getting great poor is not as great as you think. So find somebody you can trust, preferably somebody that allow you to sample taste uh, and they, they, somebody that can explain in a way you can understand 
you know, uh, and this is just personal. If somebody said you make your tea this way and only this way, so many seconds, so many minutes, I, did, I myself have a problem with that because, again, your preference is different than my preference. I would take somebody who gave me directions like that. I'll take their advice and try it for myself. And then I'll explore other options to see if that really worked for me. If it doesn't, I'm not afraid to say no. Mm -hmm. It's an individual experience with the tea. And so don't be afraid to... <clears throat> To meet tea, right, and, and, don't and communicate. Be, uh, mm -hmm. right. Don't be afraid to disagree. Mm -hmm. You know, because I've been in tea tastings where um, I don't want to say, but you know, but the 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 person is well known, and uh, so they're describing flavors that I simply don't believe is there. But obviously, I wasn't going to stand up and say no. But you know, but <laughs> I would. You know, I I think everybody should be respected to when they're sharing their understanding and knowledge. Maybe you agree or not agree. That's okay. But I don't think uh, direct confrontation. It's it's respectful. You know, so I think. Boy, I have a question. I have a question. Yeah. How? When you're going to, let's say, you're one of your sourcing trip in Yunnan and trying to buy tea, mm -hmm. is you know you are obviously tasting and communicating mm -hmm. with tea. What other qualifications are you looking for? Well, I think the person you deal with is important because ultimately that's a people's business. Mm -hmm. You know, so you you have to trust each other, and I, I gotta tell you. In over 30 years of importing tea, I rarely ever have to pay ahead of time. The tea gets shipped to me, it gets into my warehouse, I pay them. You know, if, if I find anything wrong, they'll take care of me. You know, so that's, it tells you that there's a, a, a pretty deep trust between me and my suppliers. Now, but also, I have a fortunate advantage because in the early days, I actually, in order to make better tea, I went to the to the farm where the tea is grown, and I worked the entire harvest with them. So I know what happened when you pick the tea during rainy day, or you pick the tea in um, during good weather days. If you pick it this uh, with 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 cut it with a knife, for example, or cut it with a machine. Or you pick it with tea, pick it with your hands, what the differences are. During each process, each step of the process, it affects the next step. So by knowing the entire process, I knew the finished product is lacking this or that. So I could tell them, for example, your rolling process is not enough because if you don't roll it enough, you don't break the cellular structures within the leaf, flavors that do, don't release. So you, your rolling is not enough, then you won't develop full flavor. The oxidation won't happen correctly. So I could tell them so they could adjust on the next day because harvest come in every day, you know, and you could tell when uh, when the tea's picked in the rainy day, it won't taste, it, the flavor is a lot less.
So when um, in poor tea, do you also roll or knead? Uh, yeah, yes, you You have do. to roll. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you pan fire to cook the leaf, so to stop the rawness, but also you cook through the leaf so it stops any further oxidation. And then it also makes it soft and pliable. That allow you to roll it. If you don't cook through it and you roll it, you break the leaf. So if you overcook What process? it, you Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. You, go if ahead, you overcook go ahead. the if you overcook the leaves. If you go overcook the leaf, it it'll burn, it tastes burnt, and it will to be too dry, you can't roll it. So it's it's just you you miss that, your rolling won't be correct. So and then the rolling has to be done intermittently. That means you can't roll it for three hours because you make it you break it off. So you roll it when it the rolling creates heat. When it's too hot, you have to stop. You have to break the ball, the the the, the leaves apart, let it cool off, and roll again. So this is all by eyes. They have not discovered a computer better than the one you got between your ears. You know, it's by 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 eye, by touch, by smell. That's how we do it. Mm -hmm. So What's your whatever. favorite part of the process, Roy? My favorite part is when they're done, I get to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking as a true tea enthusiast, you know, so yes. I remember the first time I tried to make dragon wow. Now, I, this is several years after I've become, uh, you know, a real uh, a professional tea merchant. So I was there and I thought I knew a lot about this already. And I saw this little girl pen firing the tea for me. So I was. telling her this and that and giving direction. And finally, I told her, move aside, let me do it. You know, because I, although I never done it, I just thought I, it doesn't look so hot. You know, so I, I said, move aside, let me do it. She, she, she looks like 15, you know. So I, I sat down there within three seconds, I burned my hand, you know, and my, my white, white palm, half of it is completely blistered. But everybody, like 20 people is watching me. So I had to finish it. So I finish it, and it's, I did a terrible job, and my hand is completely burned. So I slowly stood up and I said, "Oh, maybe you should finish it." <laughs> and then I walk against the wall and try to put my hand on the window to try to cool it off. And everybody so so politely could, uh, pretend not to see that, you know. That So that giant gave me, walk, that giant walk that you use yeah, your hand yeah, to like do this, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh You my have God, to press that. hard on the wall. The only thing keeping you, your hand from being cooked are those shrinking tea leaves and they shrink like fast. So, And that walk is hot. It it can oh get up yeah, to four it's hundred twenty degrees it's 120 Fahrenheit. degrees Celsius, Yes, you know? yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, so that gave me renewed respect for the people who did that. I just realized that moment that girl has more tea running through her blood than I ever will be. You know, because for maybe six or seven generations, that's all they did. They they come out of the womb knowing how to do this stuff. You know, and then after I burned my hand and I looked and I realized the intricacy of every single movement she's doing without thinking, because she's reacting to what the tea's telling them. You know, if it's shrinking, you know, you, you use a different technique so you don't burn your hand, but you got to keep the team moving all the time so it doesn't get burned. It's a real art. So 
I think one of, to really honestly answer your question, just watching the art happen live is my biggest th thrill. And every step of the way is a different thrill. You know, I remember making Wulong tea in Taiwan with my friend. I went there at uh, after dinner, about nine o'clock. So the teas are being rolled and you, you work all the way through to, until the next morning. So every step of the production, after they finish pan firing, I'll grab a handful. We'll go back in the office. We'll cup that tea when it's pan firing. So pen before it's completely done is very bitter, and you could taste the difference as the, each production go on. The beginning of the the method, the rolling to the end of the rolling is a completely different tea. So that is, I, I think I even mentioned that in my book. That's the biggest tea lesson in my life. Understanding each production te technique and step and how it affects the flavor. The only way you could tell is that you drink it on each step. So I did that through the night. And then the next morning I went through picking with them and I came out of that farm and a new person. It's very intense and <clears throat> laborious process and also sequential. Like you said, you can't miss a step. And when one step is finished and you got to go to the next step. And it's when I was in Wuyishan, witness, um, having the tea master talk about their long tea making right. process. It was a two week intensive right. each batch. And it was like night and day, 24 seven, like you right. said. It, it it's not something, you know, a lot of people make tea because they need to make a living. Only a few people are very good at what they do and they make it because they can't help it. You know, you just love it, that's not enough. You just can't help yourself. Mm -hmm. No one can pay you to make excellent tea. Only you can make excellent tea and you, you're doing it not even by choice. You just can't help it. You know, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you and so much in that way that what I talk about after my journey of making the tea movie and watching the tea masters. And I'm so grateful to be talking with you because you remind me and you reminded me of that journey that I went through, that it was a tea spirit. It's to be to make good tea. You have to be a good person, that moral character and be one with tea because you're learning from each other, you're communicating. So, and this tea master making 11, uh, he's an 11th generation of Wolong tea master and he puts it this way, he said, tea making is a limitless art, which hearing from you is the same message, isn't it Roy? Yeah, there's, you know, the tea culture as we know today, came from millions and millions and millions of people's wisdom in combination and thousand years, thousands of years of progression to make it what it is. So if you and I are lucky enough to live a healthy hundred years, it's just a speck of time in terms of history. So it's just not enough to time to learn everything. It's not possible. And it, you could consider it an art which art is you can finish learning. It is an art because it's 
unending. You learn from yourself, you learn from others, you learn from just be, you know. So um, I, I just, you know, I, I just can't be more grateful than than I am today because of tea. Every success I have in life, it's because of tea. Until I found tea, I was just floundering, uh, you know, uh, and tea gave me a sense of purpose. I gave me self-respect. It, it, you know, take me to places I never thought possible. I meet great people like you and others. And, you know, and sometimes you even get paid for it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else do you want in life, you know? What is, an, if you can put the tea spirit into one sentence, what would that be? Hmm. In one sentence, tea spirit. Uh-huh. And you said so many wonderful things, like uh, tea changed a life and and how how I tea think, uh-huh. I think for me, you know, it's tea is life. If you just live your life like you treat your tea, you're probably gonna be okay. You know, it will change, and 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 you know the famous thing that Bruce Lee say, "Be like water." Mm-hmm. Yes. Know? Be yes. like tea. Be like tea. Uh, you know, tea is water. It could be anything you want, mm-hmm. and there's a level of tea for every human being. It doesn't. Nobody should belittle to belittle anyone who wants Nuka tea back or drink Earl Grey tea or whatever. Because that's the level that suits them. You know, nobody should be uppity. And in fact, I fired, the only time in my life I fired someone. I fired three people in my whole life. I'm in business since I'm 21 year old. Uh, They forced me, okay? The only person I ever fired in tea was this person who gave people a bad face when they come in asking for Earl Grey. And I walk him aside and I said, listen, you can't do that. I don't like that. You, you know, if you think they're beneath you, then maybe you should find another job. You know, I, I, nobody's beneath you or above you. You know, we, we should be respectful to others for their choices, but also for what they prefer. You know, who the hell are you? So he didn't really talk that warning seriously and I had to fire him. You know, I've never done that to any, I mean, you know, we're, you know, we're Chinese, you know how it is. We, we yes. find having to confront someone to tell them they're not doing their job, it's very difficult to us. Yes, yes. Because we're imagining somebody doing that to us. That's such a huge loss of face, mm-hmm. you know. So you're supposed to understand it's really time for you to exit so that we could avoid, avoid having to confront each other. But this is not very American. Americans want you to come out, well, you don't like it, why don't you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah to lean in and say, hey, I'm here. Yeah. Give yeah. it to me. Give it to me. Right. Yes. So I'm I think... practically born here, but I, I still have this problem. I came here when I was 13. I'm 68 now. I've been here for a long time. But I still have difficulty, you know, being uh, quote-unquote American sometimes. Well, being a tea person, also, I find that tea brings out the harmonious nature. And tea is a harmon, it's, it's a harmonious entity. 
and right. and it, it it brings us internal harmony, harmony with each other. And as I always say, you know, tea is a cup of humanity, and you nailed it in every like your stories just confirms and affirms all that. Um, and I have after my making the tea film. I have so much more respect. I mean, I have a lot of respect before for tea. And, and, but there's so, you know how it is that Roy, that it takes time for you to see. Right. And for me, that represents tea so much. Absolutely. And it teaches us how to be better humans, in my opinion. Right. Uh, I, yeah, I certainly have become a better human being, at least in my opinion. Sometimes my wife don't actually agree, but ask your wife that, yes. <laughs> but I certainly I think you know, I, I came from Hong Kong at thirteen. When I went back to China uh, to Hong Kong at twenty one, I barely can read a newspaper anymore. I only have a sixth grade education in Hong Kong and I wasn't a very good student. I remember when they say, oh, you know, we're applying to bring you guys up to, to the U.S. I go, oh, no more school. Put <laughs> that year off. <laughs> so so uh, because of tea, certainly because of tea, I, I'm a lot more cultured in terms of Chinese. I've, I probably, I not only can read a newspaper, I even read poetry. It's shocking. <laughs> You oh, know, while you're and, sipping your tea and you're like reciting poetry. But there's so many poetry about tea. Oh, that's right. You know, oh, I, I quoted right. three of them in my book. Can you please recite for our audience? And I love to, to hear you recite uh, your favorite tea poem. Well, uh, there's Can a poem that? about, about uh, Wulong tea. Okay. You know, uh, uh, it's the, the final sentences that means everybody show off their aged tea from last year and this is surprisingly not about poor it's about mm. the place you came from that mm. you you make your film it's about uh, it's about wuyi tea yeah. because the traditional method of wuyi tea is to make the tea this year Save it until next year and refire before you sell. Mm. You know, so so it says for hail may lanson may gypsum. That means that the firing uh for hail means uh, the firing energy may choy means hasn't been removed. Mark mm gypsum, -hmm. do not let it touch your lips. Yeah. So okay. that means freshly roast tea, don't drink it. So like my standard practice is still fire two weeks prior to I sell it, and then let it cool off the, the almost like you barbecue and let the meat rest, right? Sit, yeah, let the yeah. meat set, sit, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so with roasting tea, you let the, the, the tea set so that it could reabsorb some moisture around it so that it's some of those toasty, fiery taste. And to Chinese, it's not just the taste, it's the energy. Mm -hmm. You need that to be re-energized, re re the leaves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
then mm-hmm. you know so for he made lunch and mock chipson that means before the the firing energy is gone do not touch so can you it's text in my me book. that line that that poem i love to yeah. uh, i love to include it that's so great i love there's 400 poems that celebrates wet um or actually in a so it it's we Chinese has so many poems, right? About tea. Um, it's she's and a major we star. This, if yes. you go up to Wisan, they're halfway on the side of the <laughs> mountain, everywhere. You know, you along, can't help but learn. <laughs> yes, along the river. It is so amazing, the tea culture. I, I can encourage people to go to Wisan more. I mean, mm-hmm. if it's already changed so much, not for the better, unfortunately, but that the Wuisan is one of the 36 mod- portal to immortality for Taoists. And if you go there, you know why. Yeah. Every turn is just not of this world beautiful. Yeah, yeah. There, there are so many temples that we shot and we had to scale up the mountains to shoot those temples, the Taoist temples, the Buddhist temples. Now I knew, you told me that earlier um, when we met Roy, that you were a Taoist. Correct. Yeah, I'm the public. I'm from the Chengchong Taoist Association of America. I'm the first quote unquote priest uh, in in America for for that temple. So I learned that. So I believe everything's pre- major direction in your life is pre planned. You know, you could do anything you want, whatever you want. You could change small direction, but you end up to that direction eventually. So I I learned Tai Chi, and then I learned Buddhism, I, uh, Taoism. And I learned tea, Tai Chi, and, and Taoism in that order. And it only can happen when that period of time. I got into a very bad car accident. And I wasn't able to work for almost six months. So I, I don't know if you're running out of time, but I, long story short, I, a we friend called me up. A friend called me up and said, Roy, let's go to dinner. I said, okay. I haven't seen this guy forever. And uh, so he, he came to my house, picked me up. We went to Chinatown to, for dinner and just couldn't find a parking space anywhere. So I told him, Wherever we park, we just go to the closest restaurant. And after I said that, within seconds, we found this huge, big parking space on Grand Avenue. We put in, and we walk across the street. It's a vegetarian restaurant. And uh, I didn't know at the time that uh, it's customary to be a vegetarian, at least on your birthday, because that's the day you get life. So you don't take life on that day. I did not know that. Okay, so we walk into the restaurant, and uh, I did not know that's in the Chinese calendar. That was my birthday. My birthday is the January fifteenth in Chinese calendar. Uh, in Western calendars, February twenty sixth. So I did not know that was January fifteenth, and I did not know January fifteenth is the first festival, first important day of the year. It's called Serum Yundan. This is where the the star, the, the gods come down to to uh, 
give good fortune to people. So I did not know that. So I went to the restaurant, we ate vegetarian halfway through. I needed to go to the bathroom and I went upstairs, not knowing that the second floor is the Taoist temple. I walked up and I forgot to go to the bathroom because the, the, the sounds they're making was so fascinating. I, and there's a group of people there waiting, watching. So I walk, went and I watched and they were performing the star praising ceremony. It traditionally, the first such ceremony is, is, is performed in January 15th, the ceremony done. So the Taoists believe that everybody belongs to a star system. So your star system is bright and energetic. You will be in good fortune. The really special people have their own stops. So praising the star and try to align yourself with positive energy is what that ceremony. And I didn't know that. So I met the priest there and their, their couple and they, they uh, asked me to come back. And long story short, I ended up living with them for two years. Uh, because at that time, in the beginning, I wasn't working. So I spent a month learning. So I was a sixth grade educated person that hadn't spoken Chinese for a long time, way Chinese. And I had to learn scriptures and incantations and talismans that are, that are like two-inch thick books. I learned that in a little over a year. They said that nobody had ever done that, you know, you know, on top of you not being literate in Chinese. So uh, it only could happen because I lived with them for the two years. And it only could happen because they let me live with them. I become, become like their third son. So that, and then it's amazing. because Tai Chi and Taoism, it teaches me a lot of things about energy and movement and position and balancing and I put all of that into my tea when I make tea and I believe that's what caused me to be a different tea person and I could I could direct my energy into the tea I'm making because I'm communicating mm -hmm. so that's why the tea to to me tastes better to me of course I'm a little my little vanity going up again but, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, that I, I, you know, uh, this my this life of mine has been very interesting, and uh, almost everything is pointed to its tea. So I, I said earlier, I, some of us were lucky enough, mm -hmm. fortunate enough, tea chose you. Yeah. I really believe tea chose me. I yeah. did not have any idea. None of these things that I would describe, I knew beforehand. I did not know that on my birthday every year they do the star praising ceremony for me. <laughs> and <laughs> I become part of the temple. So the, the the 10 years or so I spent being active in the temple, every birthday that I'm doing the star praising ceremony for myself and every everybody. I mean that's if that's not destiny, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well I I can taste that, like you say, in the energy when we were doing the poor tea tasting and you were so generous with the tasting, the flight. It was 
spectacular. I definitely taste that earthiness. I don't know what's your energy because I didn't know that you were making it then. Um, but it was exquisite for a tea. Um, yeah. So thank you for sharing that uh, with me. And I definitely feel like I met you, I think, when I walk into your imperial tea courts in San Francisco to have dim sum. And by the way, if you are listening and you are going to San Francisco, you have to go visit Royce Imperial Tea Courts. It gave me a slice of kind of like Hong Kong experience, Roy. Uh, I love the food. And, and not only do you sell tea, I love the tea things you, you sell. Uh, and we haven't even talked about it, the tea things. <laughs> <laughs> well, tea is such a big subject, you know? Yes, you it, it is. Um, and, and I love the fact that I, I just let you roll. Right. And then that's it. We're out of time. <laughs> that's a problem with me. You get to talk tea, I talk your ears off. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we're going to have to make a second time and or well, third time because we are sharing something miraculous about tea that I think most people are not even aware of. You know, the, the deep to me, the tea spirit. Uh, and you have, in my conversations with you, you have awakened that tea spirit uh, within me. So I wanna, I wanna thank you for that. Thank you, thank you. I would look forward to more conversation. Absolutely. And, uh, this is only one passion left in my life and uh, I love to share it. I, I, I look at it as almost my duty. You know, tea has been so good to me. At least I can do is to give a little back and uh, let people know how other people can be so enthusiastic, you know, about this one magic plan, you know. And you don't even have to get arrested to get high. You know, <laughs> just water and tea, you could get high. <laughs> so one-liner to button this entire talk, Roy, um, what is the one thing tea taught you, if you have to put? I, I said earlier, be like water, be like tea. tea. You know, That's I beautiful. think it says all. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Roy. All right. I appreciate you. your time and your sharing. And thank you, my fellow tea master, tea person. You have a fabulous weekend. E-person. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye.